Radiodrome. Hello and welcome to Radiodrome. I am Josh Hadley, and with me as always is... Brad Jones. And Jared Foyles. Brad clearly yawning as he gives his own intro. <laughs> yeah, I'm very disappointed in myself. <laughs> <laughs> he is bored with this show. <laughs> we're only we're only 50-some episodes in and you're bored already? <laughs> Damn it, man. One thing off, well, two things off the top, actually. The first would be, I'm really sick, so I apologize in advance if you guys hear me coughing or ing, because there's not much I can do about it. Yeah. There is so much cocaine here. <laughs> well, I have a rabbit named China White, so it would be appropriate. Now, the other thing is, I was going to let Jared Gimpa um, do the Adam and Eve promo this week, as I promised <laughs> Gee, last week. <laughs> but I need to have a serious talk with you get you lis- listeners out there. The numbers are really down on people using the Drome, Static, and What codes, and Adam and Eve's not the happiest about that. To make them happy, we need your help. Basically, if you want to help support the show, spread those codes around. Go to every forum you can, post the codes. If you've got a, a, a big workplace, print out some flyers and put up a couple in the break room with the code and things like that. Try to help out the show, and I know it seems like we're begging, and, well, we kind of are, aren't we, guys? <laughs> we need your help a little bit. Through Valentine's Day... Using the code DROME gets you 50% off of a single item. Their free romance kit, which includes a toy for him, a massager for her, and a little special gift as well as a free DVD, plus free shipping on your order. And that's through Valentine's Day. After that, it's back to the normal thing of 50% off your single item, three free DVDs, free shipping, and the free mystery gift. But we're just saying kind of help out the show if you're not one of those people on Brad's site that wants to see me go under. Although there's plenty of you out there for that. Right, Brad? <laughs> if if you want to see our numbers go up, must go down a lot. <laughs> and cradle the balls while you're there. It's, you know, you know so you got, got to remember the balls. For just 90, or for, for just a dollar a day, you can help this show <laughs> you, you, you're, 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 you're gimping that up, and it's not even the Adam and Eve promo. <laughs> I'm just doing it off the top of my head, so I have no idea what I'm really saying. You usually right. fall asleep halfway through recording Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always thought that was what happened to Meathead's wife after she got all fat. <laughs> Brad, I wanted to bring up, we definitely have two different types of listeners to this show. Uh-huh. Those that like the show itself... Yeah. Which, which tends to be the Jackalope listeners and the iTunes listeners. Yeah. And then the listeners that listen off your site. <laughs> who only like you and Jared. Yeah, they don't like you. <laughs> They've had 56 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, yeah at this, at, by this point, Josh, you're just beating a dead horse. <laughs> well, the way I look at it is... If he, if he literally beat a dead horse, I think that would make his approval rating go up. <laughs> It probably would. (laughs) And and some of the things you say, Brad, have become some of your jokes at me, which I do find funny, have become sort of memes. It's all out of love. I know. You know what the funny thing is? Is is I I playfully give them crap about new movies and stuff like that but i'm i'm the same way with new music so i, I thought it was I fun i thought it was off. funny when jillian was on the mental cast yeah. someone that wasn't you in the chat room was was <laughs> was posting that of course i would hate everything it's post 1995 
<laughs> well, there was uh, the one the comments page was like, "Oh man, someone, <laughs> someone get rid of someone get rid of Josh or something like that." It's like, no, I don't want Josh to be God. I I I like being the most likable one on the show. They <laughs> might they might he might get replaced with someone who suddenly would make me the bad guy. <laughs> well, did you also see my response to that person that wanted me fired? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> um, well, I didn't see it. What what did he say? He's talking about our numbers. That our numbers are so good that that none of us are going anywhere. Oh, except for maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I give um, things up too much. The, uh, uh, the oh yeah, that was the episode that I titled "Christmas with the Crank." Which, by the <laughs> way, I I did smile pretty hard at that. That was funny. I thought. I no way that yeah. I was sitting there. Was like uh, I was like I don't want to just title it Christmas movies. Let me just type in. Uh, let me see here. Uh, yeah, all right, Christmas with the Crank. <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. I genuinely laughed at that. I, I, I figured you'd find that funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to bring up a follow-up to something we talked about last week. Remember last week when we were talking about the difference between modern porn and w what we'll call chic porn? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just watched one. It was called The Texas Asshole Massacre. <laughs> nice. So I thought, okay, the movie was made in the 90s. Yeah. May out of the like hour and 12 minutes or so of the running time, mm -hmm. maybe 15 minutes were devoted to the actual Texas Chainsaw parody and the rest were just anal scenes. <laughs> Boring anal scenes nice. too because all the women looked very similar and even the positions were the same. And yeah. I, I started thinking if this movie had been made in between 1975 and 1984, at least two-thirds of this movie would have been Texas Chainsaw knockoff, and only a third would have been the porn. Yeah, and even around the 90s, I still I still saw some that, that seemed to balance out the spoof well with, with, the, uh, with, the, with the action sequences. Married uh, with hormones. Married with hormones and the Miami Spice movies. They're about 50-50. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, I think I mentioned this last week, but even, even Clockwork Orgy, which was which was ninety five. Mm -hmm. But that one seemed to be done by somebody who really did care about what they were doing, though. Too did Buck Adams do that one? Um, man, I can't remember because uh, it, it actually Buck seemed Adams... a little high class for Buck Adams, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It was a little. It was it was better put together than Hornio <laughs> Brothers and Beaver and Buttface. <laughs> Even Be Beaver and Buttface, that was actually a really good spoof. It was. Um, it was pretty impressive how they were able to get aesthetic nose. Well, not not even that. I mean, because any I mean any group of Beavis and Butthead can just throw on stuff to make the characters look like whatever. The comedy in it and how the characters were portrayed and even one-liners they were using and little in jokes like it was clearly made by by writers who. Saw like, the show, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least they did their research on. Hey, it. Pe people, people talk the uncanny valley. That movie is the uncanny valley. That one, that one, uh, that one. I thought that one didn't scare me too terribly much. Maybe it was because I watched it only a short time after E.T. the Porno, which I thought was far more frightening than Beaver and Buttface. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, and then do you guys remember when Buck Adams went through his weird "I want to be taken seriously" phase and made movies like Radioactive? where he's a secret agent trying to stop Arab terrorists from dropping a dirty bomb on New York City, and, and yet he beds down every woman he comes across, but there's an actual spy thriller plot in there. It was made in the mid-'90s. Oh, he wanted to be, like, a 90s upgraded Johnny Wad? Kind of. It didn't work because the movie flopped, but yeah. at least he was trying to do more of that, let's make it a real movie again thing. Yeah. 
No, I didn't see. I didn't see that one. But but it just you know like Texas Asshole Massacre. I got excited because I'm like, all right, somebody's gonna do a Texas Chainsaw porno. If done right, this could be really good. Yet the whole thing was just basically porno, and then a couple of things with a guy that vaguely looked like Chop Top. Isn't there one called the Texas Vibrator Massacre? Yeah, I, I've seen that, or I've, I've seen the title. I haven't actually seen that movie. Yeah, yeah, same here. I, I only, I only, I only know it by title. But you know, that's just that's a perfect example of a movie that, if it had been made ten years earlier, would have been a totally different film. Yeah, I agree. I I agree with that. So, so to all those people that wonder why Brad and I love the old porn, that's an example of why. Oh yeah, they were just movies. They were like you said last week. They're real movies. Yeah, they were real movies. Honestly, I find them. I honestly, I find them more erotic. I, I, I do find more eroticism out, out of it if we're, if we're talking, the, you know, the, the hardcore sequences. But, and, and plus, yeah, when you get down to it, and, and, and I know that I know people make, can, people make fun of us sometimes for saying that about, an, about a porno movie, but a porno movie can still be a good movie, and there are a bunch of really good ones. And even with that said, it can still be really, really good erotica. What would you consider Night Dreams? Because that was clearly an art film. Yeah. Yet some of the sequences were kind of weirdly erotic. Oh, yeah, I agree with I agree with that. There was the there was there was some sexy moments in that movie. There was I enjoyed creepy it. moments too. The Jack in the Box really creeped me out. Chick giving head to the cream of wheat box. Yeah, that was just funny. That was yeah, just that funny. Was funny. The Jack in the Box. Yeah, like you said, was a little creepy. Yeah, that was that was a well that was a well made trippy little movie. And as an adult film. As a hardcore adult film, it also worked as, as erotica. And like Cafe Flesh. That's yeah. actually, even if you, I mean, they actually did cut that movie down to an R and release it on the Midnight Circuit, and it yeah. did really well. Uh-huh. Because there was actually more story in the movie than there was sex. So mm-hmm. there are those kind of, so just all you porn naysayers, I say nay at you. <laughs> no, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I agree with you about that. So, Jared, do you have any funny Facebooks this week? Um, well, I... Uh, no, up, uh, no updates as the Messiah. Actually, there's just been a lot of people uh, giving me a lot of cheers as the Messiah. I gave them props for that, too, so I'm one of the people cheering them for that. There was, like, uh, David Garcia Jr., really, bro? You're the Messiah now? Movie <laughs> now. He appeared as the Messiah and Maniac. <laughs> um... Jared, you're the Messiah. Or no, or actually in question marks. Jared, you're the Messiah again. Well, at least now people know at least now people know that it's a spoof off of the Tormentors. Yeah. Like when we did it in Maniac, there was a bunch of comments like, What's that? Hippie Rocker Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> After reading from the good book, the greatest quote ever is, Alright, now start sucking after <laughs> dropping the Messiah's pants. That was from Daniel Williams. Finally, Gabe Kelly writes, Jared Christ, Jared Christ. (laughs) I even tried looking for the actor who played the Messiah in the Twinters. I couldn't even find a name for him. Like maybe, maybe, maybe his name is on the end credits of that movie, but anywhere else, any other kind of cast listing, they have like six or seven actors attributed to that movie, but only like two or three, only like two or three character names attached to about seven or eight actors. That would be be something if that guy was still alive. Well, Franco Nero played Space Jesus in The Visitor. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Franco Nero is also a lot more well-known than the actor who played the Messiah and the Tormentors. It's also a much better actor. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to track Franco Nero down. I want to do an interview with him for the Visitor special we're doing on Projection Booth. Yeah. And for a while, I'm like, you know, I've always heard him dubbed, so I didn't know what kind of a grasp of English he had. And then yeah. I watched the extras on the Django DVD, and I went, oh, he speaks English pretty good. Now I really got to track Franco Nero down. I should mention the, the deleted scene I took out of the uh, Helter Skelter Murders video. Oh, yeah, boy. go ahead. I sat there, I had I had the, the episode scripted out, and I pretty much, I had, I had seen the movie, I had seen the movie before, so I, I, I knew what it was going to be. Um, I had it. I had it scripted out and everything. And there was one joke. There was one joke where I looked at it on looked at it on paper and was like, given its placement in this, given its placement in this in this episode, this might come across as really tasteless. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll still film it. I'll still edit it together, and I'll I'll just show it to someone and, and see what they think. Now, if this particular joke was placed at the beginning of the episode, it honestly would have been fine. But where it was placed at when it was edited. It was right after I was talking about, uh, it was like a minute or so after I was talking about the Tate murders sequence. And there's a part, there's a part in the episode, the setup to the joke is still in there, but the punchline is changed. Uh, it, it shows me talking about the ending title card and how it originally went was, I, I'm looking at the ending title card and I say, like, when the trial did finish, they tacked on this ending title card just to, just to, um, to finish it all out. Well, why did you do that? This was going on when the trial was still happening. You could have made up any ending you wanted. And then after that, it cuts to an Animal House ending with still <laughs> shots of Tex Watson. It's going, you know you make me want to shout. It's, it's, playing the Isley, it's playing the Isley Brothers, and it's showing still shots of Charles Manson, like... Uh, uh, Charles Manson later went on to star in the Steve Rails backstory. <laughs> uh, Tex Watson was recently fired as manager of the Rick Perry campaign. Uh, uh, Susan Atkins started a fad diet made entirely of LSD. Oh, and the guy who looked a little like Jack Lord. And there was a thing about a thing about that in there. The joke itself, I really liked, but the placement in the episode made it really awkward. <laughs> if it was at the beginning or anywhere else, it would have been fine. But it was right after talking about the Tate murders and get very serious. Like I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll I, I sat Jillian down and I didn't tell her anything about it, and she watched it, and that part comes on, and she just cringed. <laughs> She just cringed when that happened and like kind of laughed, like really awkwardly laughed. So I was like, well, she is technically laughing. So she, so after it was over, she goes like that. That was a really good episode. But the Animal House ending. Um, uh, and I was like, all right, all right. Because I honestly did want to be relatively respectful with the episode. Since real so, people died. And it was, yeah, since yeah, it was yeah, based yeah, on a yeah. real murder. Uh, wanted to be some spectacle. I wanted to be respectful with it, but it was just that placement there at the end right after that. I was like, yeah, that 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 might be a little much. Although I do like that joke. I still I still like that joke. Maybe maybe in retrospect it's like I just moved it to the beginning of the episode. Well, are you going to re release that as like a deleted scene or something? I I might. Yeah. I I figured at the least I would talk about it on here cuz it's really the only it's really the only time I ever it's really the only time I ever did that. You've never second-guessed yourself before? For, there's been, well, there's been a couple of jokes 
where, uh, like, a couple here and there where I maybe forgot what the context was or something like that. Like, maybe a few days went by between writing it and filming it, and I kind of forgot what the context was. So I'd be like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't really, really need that in there. So, yeah, a joke to get cut out from time to time. But this 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 was an instance where... You know, I sat back and was kind of was kind of like I better not put I better not put this in here. <laughs> well, it, it was kind of funny. You got brought up on something I did the other day, something that you were not involved in. My old back when I worked at Channel Thirty Two, I did the Halloween special where I showed the Howling, mm-hmm. and in that you got to remember this is like two thousand seven or eight, I think it was. I did like the Halloween soda taste test on camera. And all of a sudden, one of the comments on YouTube, you mean you did Brad tries before Brad tries? Oh, you did a Brad? Well, hell, I didn't even. Lord Cat Cat started that before I did. So I just thought that was funny. I'm like, Brad has nothing to do with when I worked at 32. There was actually something like that happened with Phelan one time. And within, like, his first batch of episodes, he becomes (laughs) some different characters and uh, starts doing a, a different personality whenever he turns into a different character. And one of them... One of them, I guess, was kind of a, sort of a movie, movie snobby guy, but he wasn't supposed to be. We didn't even know each other at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be me. It obviously wasn't. He's wearing a completely different getup and whatnot. But ever since then, yeah, it's, I think it's even on IMDb. It says, like, Brad Jones referenced in this episode of Phalus. Phalus <laughs> is playing the cinema snob. Whereas, like, with Spoonie, that was a specific parody of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the case with Phelan, he and I, I don't think at that point, had even seen each other's shows. <laughs> this would have been a few years ago. I remember last week, or it might have been the week before, I don't know, it all runs together when you're sick. Remember when I talked about how in Finland, Scrooge was called Return of the Ghostbuster? Yes. Well, our Finnish friend, he gave us a, a big translation list of American movies and their Finnish retitles. Mm-hmm. Some of these are hilarious, and some actually are a better title than the real movie. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. What do you think that turns into? Crappy space movie with annoying CGI character. Howard the Duck Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Star Wars Episode One: The Dark Threat. A better title than Phantom Menace. Yeah. yeah. Pitch Black becomes the Threat of the Dark. Yeah, right? I can. I mean, it, it goes along with the movie. Right. Raiders of the Lost Ark is Hunters of the Lost Treasure. It's Temple of Doom, Episode 1. <laughs> Romancing the Stone is Hunt for the Green Diamond. Way to be dead on with mm-hmm. that title, guys. The National Lampoons are the ones I like. National Lampoons Vacation is Dad's Got Everything Under Control. <laughs> that title is completely misleading. He was all sorts of out of control. <laughs> National Lampoon's European vacation was unbelievable summer vacation. <laughs> I liked I like this next one. National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. I want you guys to try and guess how insane the National Lampoon's Christmas vacation title was in Finland. It's called Vegas Vacation. I'm no, going to go with uh Cat fries on Christmas life. <laughs> You're actually weirdly close there, Jerry. Really? Wow. The Christmas tree is fried. <laughs> there's so, a, I know at that, the target. I know. So yeah, you were close, Jared. 
are these on the list? I know that there's a weird one for uh, isn't there? I think there's a really weird one for as good as it gets. Uh, no, he doesn't have as good as it gets on here. Okay. Oh. There's a there's a weird one for My Blue Heaven. Vegas Vacation is Vegas Takes the Win. Funny Farm is It's Pleasant on the Countryside. Nothing But Trouble is The Town of Crazy People. Speaking of Animal House, Animal House is The Delta Gang. <laughs> Ghostbusters is The Ghost Gang. <laughs> I like these next three Steve Martin ones. The Jerk is Super Layabout. I don't know how that one comes about. Well, he created the OptiGrab. Um, the man with two brains is the doctor's brain wife. <laughs> brain wife? I like, I like brain that wife. One. Yes. Planes, trains, and automobiles is very fast to Chicago. <laughs> twins is identical twins. Identical. I don't That's know. That's not even true. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they felt they needed to add the word identical on that. Even still, it makes it even funnier because that's not even true. They specifically state in the movie, "We are not identical twins, Vincent." <laughs> yeah. Jingle all the way. Take a guess. Twins too. No, no way, that's Junior. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christmas with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Christmas with Conan. <laughs> My dad is Turbo Man. My dad is Turbo Man. <laughs> Sounds like kids' homework project. <laughs> dad is Turbo Man. Yeah, sure, Jimmy, shut up. <laughs> Airplane is Hey, We're Flying. <laughs> Airplane 2 is Hey, We're Flying Again. Hey, We're Flying Again, the sequel. Police Squad is Hey, We're Batoning. What? Because, uh, you, you know, like police batons. Right, no, I get it, but... Porky's is Hot Youth. Porky's 2 the next day is Wild 50's Porky's 2. Nice. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. This is one where I think the alternate title is better. Yeah. Superman 4, The Threat from the Sun. Mm, it works. It's actually a better title. Yeah, I don't <laughs> mind it. Either one of them could have worked. To, <laughs> to solve this issue, I must become Superman 4, The Threat from the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he said it! He said it! Beverly Hills Ninja is Dumb Ninja. <laughs> So oh, apparently dumb. Beverly Hills equates to dumb in Finland. <laughs> so Beverly Hills Cop is called Dumb Cop? It's not on the list, but going by that logic, I would say yes. Dumb 90210. Moving Violations is the tutoring class of the driving school. I love that movie. But that's a weird alternate title. <laughs> Die Hard is Die Hard Over My Dead Body. What? What was the need for all that extra? Die Hard over my that actually sounds like what they would call like one of the current sequels. To die, the Die Hard Five that yeah. they're making is called A Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah. Oh God, Die Hard with a Vengeance is Die Hard the Angel of Vengeance. Okay, that one's not too bad. Striking Distance is River Cop. Blue Streak that's is not, that's not bad. Blue Streak is Diamond Cop. Blue Streak is who ordered these pizzas? <laughs> Big Mama's house is Skirt Cop. <laughs> Above the Law, I actually knew about this one. Nico. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I did know about that. So yeah. th that seemed it was called Nico pretty much everywhere but here. Marked for Death is Mark of Death. Okay. Out for Justice is Law of the Streets. Under Siege is a hijack at sea. That's not too bad. Under Siege Two: Dark Territory is a hijack on the rails. Again, not bad. Fire Down Below is The Deadly Secret. Shoot, there was no secret that that movie sucked. Unfortunately, they don't have On Deadly Ground on here. Otherwise, I'd like to see what that one was. It was called Fire Down Below. 
Uh, a force of one is one-man army. The octagon is octagon, the silent killers. Silent rage is senseless rage. Forced vengeance actually has two alternate titles, hard fists and karate cowboy. And Braddock, forced vengeance. Missing in action is direct action. And he said almost all of the James Bond movies were translated properly, except for these four. From Russia with Love becomes Secret Agent 007 in Istanbul. The Spy Who Loved Me is 007 My Beloved. Uh-huh. For Your Eyes Only is Very Secret. And The Living Daylights is 007 at the Danger Zone. Thunderball is Never Say Never Again. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Bond fan, so... Oh, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge, huge Bond fan. Yeah, n- n- not so much my thing. Hey, I got a whole bunch of Bond laser discs now. Oh, well, that's cool. Cause that's I, badass. I picked up a personal collection from a guy. Yeah. Twelve hundred laser discs, Brad. Oh yeah, you two, you were telling you were telling me about this. Oh my god, I'm drowning in laser discs. I literally do not have enough places in my house for them all right now. That's awesome. And then my per I, mean, I cherry picked what I wanted out of the lot. About two hundred and fifty titles made their way into my collection. Of course. Including Deep Throat. Mm-hmm. Debbie does Dallas. Yeah. Debbie does them all. Ooh. In- I wasn't included. I- Me neither. Inside Desiree Couteau or something. It's some John Holmes flick I've never heard of before. Yeah. I've heard of that. It- I want to say I've seen that one. Well, I was just surprised when the, the the very first release of Deep Throat is in here, and I'm going, oh, that's just awesome. Yeah. That's so- fantastic. So a lot of stuff, a lot of Godzilla flicks, a complete set of Friday the 13th on Laserdisc for all, all through 1 through 9. Yeah. So I've got all those on Laser now. And just a whole bunch of weird stuff like Savage Streets. <laughs> awesome. A guy on Facebook really wants that Savage Streets from me. Uh, I've got my, my Savage Streets is autographed. Laser or VHS? Uh, my VHS of it. My VHS of Savage Streets is autographed. That was that was the time where uh, I where I asked uh, Linda Blair to autograph Savage Streets, and she was she was really really nice. And then uh, standing behind me was Brian, who asked her to autograph Exorcist Two: The Heretic, and she just kind of gave him a dirty look. <laughs> didn't she? She liked me. She liked me a lot better than she liked Brian. <laughs> well, I wonder. How, I wonder how much she liked the that fact that that everyone just watches that movie for her boobs. Which which one? Savage Streets. Savage Savage Streets. She's got that I, great I love boob. Savage Streets. Oh no, it's a, it's a good. Linnea Quigley kicks ass in that. Oh yeah, yeah. She yeah. gives a she gives such a great performance. And if you've ever seen it before, mm-hmm. for the audience, when you know that something really really bad's going to happen to her sweet little character in this too. Yeah. And so that makes it even more devastating when you know something really bad's about to happen to her. But you get to see Linda Blair in a bathtub. Exactly. And she'll she'll never drown, not with the flotation devices she has in that movie. (laughs) Jillian's got the same problem. Yeah, I saw her complaining on Facebook the other day about trying to find the right cup size, and she's like, damn big boobs, blessing and a curse. (laughs) Yeah, damn them. (laughs) Just want to knock them around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I was watching. Do either of you guys watch Californication? No, huh? 
I should. I, I have better taste in... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Dude, David Duchovny as a sexaholic writer? That's awesome. Yeah, I, I every bit every bit I see of that show, I like. I, I need to actually sit down and start watching it. <laughs> Vanessa Angel was in a recent episode. She is such a plastic surgery disaster now, I didn't even recognize her as Vanessa Angel until I saw the credits. What happens to some of these people that they, they just need to keep getting plastic surgery? It's like, you just look worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, they... they... You know, they they just hope it ends up making them look. They just hope it makes them look better, and some sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It's just a crapshoot. Because I literally did not recognize her, and then I look at the credits, yeah. and I'm like, Vanessa Angel, really? Uh huh. It's like, uh -huh. I mean, she looked like she looked like the guy that got thrown into the toxic waste in RoboCop. I mean, she looked like she was melting. You ever see, have you seen what Michael Cimino has been looking like the past few years? Uh huh. Is, oh, is he really? one of those two? Oh, dude. Uh, well, before, before you know, uh, Jared, he directed the, the Deer Hunter, and beforehand, back in the day, he looked he looked not unlike a John Lovitz looking type guy, just just in his looks. Now <sighs> he looks like, uh huh? I, he looks like if Michael Jackson ejaculated Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and I mean that with respect. Of course you do. <laughs> But he looks, he looks funky. <laughs> well, I remember when uh, Jillian was on an episode of WTF when we were talking about Kathleen Turner. She didn't believe me about what Kathleen Turner looked like. She Google imaged her and around the show just went, yikes! Kathleen Turner got work done? Oh, uh, yeah. Kathleen Turner's, na I mean, she, now she literally looks like an old beat up queen. Oh, I, I had no idea. Last Last time I saw Kathleen Turner, she was on... She was on the Daily Show promoting The Graduate, and she still looked she still looked about the same then. And that was I don't know three or four years ago, maybe oh, she, maybe longer she, than that. Yeah, she's a disaster. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. I love Kathleen Turner. You did. You did. What? You you did love Kathleen Turner back then. Oh, I still love Kathleen Turner. I don't care what she looks like now. I can I can deal. I can manage. Well, and then <laughs> and then there are some people that don't age at all. Go and watch a 1989, like, the Booker episode that Don Cheadle appeared in. He looks like Don Cheadle does today. Don Cheadle looks back then what he looks like today? Yeah, Don Cheadle hasn't aged. I swear oh. that guy's a robot. Well, that's because if you see, if you happen to see the uh, Funny or Die sketch, he's apparently Captain Planet. I have seen <laughs> that. <laughs> Did you see the Oscar nominations? No. You didn't see, you didn't see him? Oh, I don't care. That, uh... Uh, Oscar bait the movie that uh, extremely loud and incredibly close right. nominated for best picture. <laughs> See, uh, surprise. I, I actually just saw the trailer for something that I think is Oscar bait even bigger. Bigger than that? Yes. What is it? Albert Nobbs. Albert, is that that Glenn Close one? Yeah, where, where she's playing a, a dude in like the 1890s or a woman pretending to no, be no, a no, dude. That might, that might be Os Oscar baity in terms of. In terms of her performance, but do you know what "extremely loud and incredibly close" is about? Yes, like, I had to sit through the trailer. It's so bad looking. Yeah, yeah, they and they don't even say everything in the trailer for this movie. First of all, it actually is the it has the most negative reviews of any movie ever nominated for Best Picture. It's in the 40s on Rotten Tomatoes. Really, it's made it's made a couple of worst 
films of the year list. Somehow it made it. It somehow it got nominated for best picture. Now the the, the plot of the movie is is yeah the, the the Tom Hanks he has a relationship with his son. He sends his son out on adventures and stuff like that. And then his dad dies tragically. And by tragically, I mean he dies in the World Trade Center on 9-11. Apparently there's a scene in this movie of Tom Hanks falling from the building. Nice. So there's Whoa. that. Dude, not only that. <laughs> Taste, but tasteful to the end, huh, Brad? That doesn't even stop there. The kid, has, the kid, he has to go off on like another adventure. Like he finds a key left by his dad in an envelope and has to find out what it belongs to. But not only that. The kids, the kids' grandparents are like Holocaust survivors, and the kid's name in the movie is Oscar. God. <laughs> Subtle. God. No, and the Academy fell for it. <laughs> Good lord. Well, Jared, God. we all fall for this crap. I mean, how many movies has Sam Worthington? I mean, we're not talking Oscar caliber here, but how many movies has Sam Worthington been in in the last five years? All huge budget movies, and the man has never acted for one second on camera yet. Hey, oh, I'm actually going to stick up for Sam Worthington. I, I actually legitimately like Sam Worthington. I know not a lot of his movies are that good, but uh, I still usually like him in them. I don't like. I like the guy's voice. I like how he carries himself on camera. I enjoy the guy's performances. That doesn't mean that I like some of the movies per se, but he has a screen presence, and I, he has, to me, a pretty commanding voice that I that I do that I do like. So I I actually stick up for Sam Worthington. Well, the way I look at like Man on a Ledge, I don't like Sam Worthington, and I can't stand Elizabeth Banks. But yeah. other than that, it's got an amazing supporting cast. Oh, Ed Harris, right? Ed Harris, Titus oh. Welt. T- Titus Williver. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love Titus Williver. And then you got Kara Sedgwick, and you got all these other great actors in smaller roles. Mm-hmm. And th- th- this is an old Hollywood technique. When you know your main two actors, Elizabeth Banks and Sam Worthington, are not that great, you surround them with great actors and hope that their performance will rise. Well, I don't, think that's any, I don't think that's any kind of new thing that sometimes supporting actors are more memorable than than a, than a lead actor. That happens quite a bit, even in movies that are really, really damn good. You'll come away with them really identifying with the supporting character. I don't think that's a new thing. Well, no, but, but that's why I said it's an old Hollywood technique. Yeah, but that doesn't make that doesn't necessarily mean that that's bad. Well, um, like uh, the director, have you ever seen Jaguar Lives? No, no. It was like a 1979-1980 attempt to make a new Chuck Norris. It was with this guy that didn't really go on to do anything, but he was being Mm -hmm. touted as, this guy's the new Chuck Norris. Yeah. I heard the director talking about the movie, and he said, basically, we knew this guy really wasn't that talented. You know, he had the karate chops, but he couldn't act for crap, and he looked like Chuck Norris. I think I only made one more movie after that. And and the director said, what we need to do is... We need to surround him with a cast like Christopher Lee and Donald Pleasance mm-hmm. and Peter Cushing and all these great actors so it'll raise the, the performance of the movie so people won't concentrate so much on that this guy's really not that good. What? Yeah, I mean, see, see of, of course, of course, sometimes, the, sometimes that's the case. But I, 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 I don't think that that's something that... I don't. I don't think that there's that. That's always what the reasoning is for that. I just think sometimes you just have a good supporting cast. Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis. Yeah. Nineteen seventy nine. Yep. 
but but I mean, look at this cast: Christopher Lee, Donald Pleasant, Donald Pleasance, Barbara Bach, John Huston. This guy does look like Chuck Norris. Wow, no, I have uh, Barbara Bach. Woody Strode is in this. Yeah, John f***ing Houston is the yeah, villain yeah. in this, along with Donald Pleasance and Christopher Lee. and As the Jaguar. And, and the movie, it's not a very good movie. And He's... Joe Lewis made one other film where he was part of an ensemble, and his career just, like, I mean, even the, in the trailer for Jaguar Lives, it's like the next Chuck Norris. He's listed in he's listed in uh, five in, I'm sorry six movies one of which is in post production for 2012. Okay, it's I didn't called, know that. Yeah, it's called Kill 'Em All, where he plays Carpenter. Was in a movie in '95 called Mr. X. Oh, the, the, the interview I was listening to was from the early '90s, so none of those had been made at uh, the time yet. Okay, uh, he was in uh, he was in what looks like a, a Chinese movie in '88, and then yeah, this this movie called Force Five. In uh, in in eighty one, <laughs> that's that's fantastic. I can sort of get behind. I can sort of play devil's advocate a little bit. I can sort of get the get around an idea of trying to market a new action hero by surrounding him with a cast that would make more people want to come check out this guy. I can wrap I can wrap my brain around that. But yeah, from from the looks of things, it it doesn't sound like this this man might have been that good of an actor. <laughs> <laughs> after the after, after the show, I'm gonna have to sh- let you guys see the trailer on YouTube. For every superstar, there is that magic moment of discovery and world acclaim. There was a time for Steve McQueen, for Clint Eastwood, for the legendary Bruce Lee. Now is the time for Joe Lewis, the martial arts champion and film superstar. <laughs> He is the Jaguar. Jaguar Lives. Starring Christopher Lee. Now we shall see how fate determines your future. Donald Pleasance. I did torture the prisoner. Just a little. Barbara Buck. I'm afraid the whole Middle East is in danger. Capuchin. Just let me know when he's dead. Joseph Wiseman. I've got to go in. The best time to go in is before the dawn. Woody Strode. John Houston as Ralph Richards. It's always a game, isn't it? And introducing Joe Lewis as the Jaguar. You're like a fine wine, Jonathan. Better with every taste. You always did have smooth lines, Terry. The Jaguar's mission? To destroy a vicious international conspiracy that threatens to enslave the world. He hunts his prey to the far corners of the earth, putting his life on the line. Time and time again. And again. And again. Jaguar lives. Stop action and shattering suspense. Yeah! 
get back to uh, the uh, Oscar nominees, because there's actually something that I, I kind of want to uh, point out. Okay, before you do that, Jared, somebody okay. told me, keep in mind, as I just said, I had not seen the list, somebody pointed out Christian Wig got a screenplay nomination for Bridesmaids. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of ties into it. So, okay. so yeah, I would yeah. I would rather get her a writing credit than a uh, acting credit. That's all I'll say. I'm like, at least it's at least she's not getting a, getting an award for being funny. Okay. I, I can get behind that. Well, technically, she is still getting a, an award for being funny. Because, acting. I'm talking well, about acting. Well, okay. So so check it out. Here's my problem with the uh, with the Academy uh, that that picks out these movies because they gravitate to the most pretentious movies. Um, are you are you looking at a list yet for uh, for best picture? Sometimes that yeah they play it safe. It's pl- they play it safe. They play it political and what's and what's popular and well reviewed. But Tree of Life, Tree of Life only honestly, Tree of Life only like three nominations. That's not much. Best picture is one of. That's them. not much for a best picture nominee. Well, it's going to be lucky to win. It'll. It might win for cinematography. I could, I could see that. And honestly, it deserves to be nominated for cinematography. Well, well um, and then the, the Oscars also do kind of like to trail away from sort of the the nerd genres. Like when Sigourney Weaver was nominated for Aliens yeah. for, for Best Actress, mm-hmm. do you notice how that was always downplayed? She was barely talked about in any of the pre-Oscar stuff. Like, well, that was for a sci-fi movie. We don't want to acknowledge a sci-fi or Edward Norton for American History X. Uh-huh. They don't want to talk about his amazing portrayal of a neo-Nazi. I remember they wouldn't even invite Larry Flint to the Oscars when Woody Harrelson was nominated for playing Larry Flint. Oh, that's crap. They outright told him he was not welcome there, so Woody Harrelson brought Larry Flint as his plus one. Good. Ah. Good, good for him. So I he was kind of, him. no, you're not keeping Larry out of this, but, like, you know, we want to nominate Woody, but... We don't really want to acknowledge Hustler or Flint himself. Oh, right. man. Yeah. Good, good for Woody Harrelson. Good for Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I say yeah. damn good for him. But no, I mean, it, okay, so so get this. Guess who's got a nomination for Best Supporting Actor? Christian Wig. <laughs> jo- Jonah Hill's nominated. Jonah Hill. Are you f***ing kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's spoken like somebody who hasn't actually seen the movie. And I have seen the movie, and he's great in it, and actually deserves a nomination for it. Which movie? Moneyball. What'd you think? The Sitter? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I haven't seen Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I see previews um, for it all the time on DirecTV. He's, uh, yeah, he, for The Sitter. <laughs> or, uh, money, Moneyball. Money. <laughs> Money ball for for supporting is is Brad Pitt for main actor? Yeah, yeah, he's not. Yeah, it, oh, it actually it ticks me off that Albert Brooks got snubbed for Drive. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm kind of upset that Super Eight got snubbed for for Best Picture. I knew that was going to happen again, Jared. That's sci-fi and horror are almost always ignored. R- remember, even back in the '90s. What did Silence of the Lambs come out? Was that 91? Yeah, yeah, I think 90 or 91, yeah. Well, when Silence of the Lambs was nominated for all those nominations, they refused to call it a horror film. It was a suspense thriller. Suspense because, thriller. Because horror films don't get Oscar nominations. It's about a guy that eats people, cuts off their faces, and wears it. It's a goddamn horror film. 
Roger Roger Ebert actually wrote like really wrote really negatively the year it was two years ago when the me actually did a salute to the slasher film. Oh, I didn't even see that. And they, like, you know, they just showed a they they just showed a montage of like Freddy, Jason, and 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 all the stuff like that. And Roger Ebert wrote a really snobby little thing about it, like why are these being portrayed at the Oscars? Like, dude, stuff it! You gave Halloween four stars. <laughs> uh, I'd say he was sticking his chin out, but he doesn't have one, so. But no, I I looked at this list and and I I can't really totally agree with a lot of the nominations. It's hard for me to say one way or the other because I haven't seen a lot of them. I um, mean, I haven't seen Moneyball, but it's a good movie. And 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 I'll uh, I'll take your word for it. I I do I do trust your uh, judgment on a lot of movies. And I'll actually give but, you this, uh, Brad. The trailer does look interesting for Moneyball. Yeah, it's it was that's a good movie. But like, it just. Say what you will about Super 8's genre, but it was a really well-made movie. It was, you know, uh, and just like you said in our review for it, you said J.J. Abrams just sat back and thought, oh, I haven't seen a Steven Spielberg movie in a that's, while. That, that's what it was. I mean, not only did it do homage, but it did homage really, really well. Really, I mean, it was, really it was a well. good movie in and of itself. If If the movie was made... If the movie was made in the late 70s, it would have gotten nominated. <laughs> but it just, uh, I just, like I said, God, everybody just wants the artistic movie or the movie about 9-11. And it's like, but sometimes you get, God. but Jared, sometimes you do get the artistic movie. That's also a damn good movie. Like I brought up before American History X that was nominated for yeah, a couple some, of different awards. Sometimes. But here's the thing. You knew it was not going to win anything. Because there's no way they're going to nominate the film about neo-Nazis. There's yeah. no way they're going to give award to any of that. I think, uh, you know, artistic film. Artist, artistic films are like any other genre. There's some I like and there's some I don't. I, uh, just Terrence Malick does it in a way that I particularly hate. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't account for all, that doesn't account for all artistic films at all. I, I just, I don't know. Like, like I said, I... Uh, I I really wish I I know I get it. Nine uh, eleven movies they're they're sentimental, whatever. But you know, I, honestly, and and at the risk of sounding insensitive, get over it. You know, let let's move on. Let's let's actually um, you know talk about movies. You know, because last year her that and, and that's not exactly that's not exactly the same thing, but it's relative because. It was a, a movie about the Iraq War, well, the second Iraq War, which followed 9-11. So it, it's almost the Academy just wants to keep keep these movies uh, successful, I, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I think that, um, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if the decision to nominate that movie for Best Picture was based was based solely on that, because there's, there's a lot of other... Oscar baitier is that a word? Is an Oscar? There were other Oscar baitier things about that movie other, other than oh, yeah. other than ju- other than just other than just that. And the trailer it, for that movie is so sweet. I think I got diabetes after watching it. Exactly. <laughs> I think a lot of probably voted voted for its nomination without having seen the movie. Right. <laughs> there, there there has to be a reason why this is this is the lowest reviewed 
movie to ever get a nomination for Best Picture. Well, and, and like I said, it, it's probably a really bad, like you said, it's probably a really bad movie. They didn't see it. They probably noticed it was about 9-11. Oh, well, it's not even about well, 9-11, really. It's, we, it, it's just something that ha- it's just something that happens in the movie, which is kind of weird. But but, but, but the, Jared, the events of nine eleven affect a character. Y- y- yeah, but there's a yeah, but I mean it's 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 one of those deals where like really probably about anything could have happened to his dad in this movie. They just decided to pick nine eleven. Well, um, Jared, look at look at it like this. Back in I believe it was ninety six, Star Trek First Contact was up against the Nutty Professor for Best Special Effects Oscar. Uh-huh. How in the hell did the Nutty Professor beat Star Trek F- First Contact? It's a pop- how did, it's how a did Eddie Murphy in a fat yeah. suit? Because, you know why? Because Star Trek was about science fiction. Mm-hmm. We, don't yeah. give, we don't give Star Trek movies Oscars. We give Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. We give that an Oscar. It's ridiculous. It's all inter... Pol- it's all politics with these people. It is. Typically, typically affect... I mean, well, since you know uh you know ma- mainstream action mainstream sci-fi movies are usually what are nominated not always of course but i mean you're usually what are nominated for these awards anyway you do te- you do tend to see more science fiction action driven films that will win at least for visuals sound st- stuff like that right. which is why the nutty professor one just pissed me off all the more cuz that just there's no reason that should have beaten Especially because Star Trek First Contact had a real small use of CGI, so there was a lot of hard work instead of a bunch of guys clacking on a computer to make Eddie Murphy's lip grow big. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear (laughs) you. So we're out of we're out of time. So we want to remind everybody: help us out with the Adam and Eve thing. I want to remind you that my column, Sanity is Razor Thin, is over at geekjuicemedia.com, as well as the old It Came From Beyond Midnight's, and some new, sort of, It Came From Beyond Midnight's will be coming up. So Brad and Spoonie are technically on that site. And then sweet, we find Brad Jones where? Uh, TheCinemaSnob.com. We find Jared Foyles where? Uh, FoyleRapProductions.com and Facebook.com slash Jared Foyles. And then use the promo code DROME. Because we need to keep the lights on. The lights are being threatened to turn off. (laughs) Night.